All right, let's open in prayer. Lord, we just thank for this time to go, we have to come together. We ask that your spirit just lead as we look at your word and see things that maybe we've never seen before. And we ask you to, to be with us and help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we're going to talk about, does the Bible teach us anything about prehistoric man? <laughs> so I want to throw that out. You know, when you hear the term prehistoric man, what is your mind bring forth. And you, I think about this, and I think most people will get this idea of some hairy brute carrying a club that's grunting around. <laughs> okay, maybe that's what you think of. You might think of the evolutionary chart that starts with a, some kind of chimp or monkey and goes to something, you know, gradually making itself to man. And so we wanted to kind of think about this. You know, we think of them as being stupid, pretty much. I want to look and see help change that kind of mindset because what God says is totally different about man and the quote-unquote prehistoric because we have a story of man from the very beginning. Man doesn't have a prehistoric point. God created man and we know the generations from Noah to the flood or from Adam to the flood and most of the, many of the generations from that point on. So there's nothing about this prehistoric idea and I just wanted to bring that up to us because sometimes we don't think about these terms in Genesis chapter 4 starting at verse 16 and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east side of Eden and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city and they named it and he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch and unto Enoch was born Erad, and Erad begat Mehujael, and Mehujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. And Lamech took to him two wives, and, and the name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Adal bare Jabal, he was the father of such that dwell in tents, and as such that have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Zillah also bare Tublacain, the instructor of every artificer of brass and iron. And the sister of Tublacain was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, O wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my, to my hurt, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So we're going to look at this, and we're going to get a little different picture of early man than you may have had in the past. Uh, we see Cain has been cast out, and it says that he lives on the land of Nod, the e to the east of, of Eden. It's kind of interesting, right from the very beginning, you may never have noticed this, but the lands have already been named. <laughs> they already have territories. They've been around long enough. And remember, we started talking about last week how there's probably close to 6,000 people on the earth at this time. Okay, that's not the two people that we always think, or four people that we always think about, because Seth is born at 130 years old, and there's going to be a lot of people at this point. And so we see they've already named the land areas around, around Eden. You know, don't we like names? You know, Adam's job was to name all the animals, and he kept naming things after he got out of, <laughs> out of Eden. He kept naming, he named the lands. And so I just wanted to bring that out. They're already intelligent enough to have territories and name off uh, areas. And then it says, Cain knew his wife and she conceived. 
We're going to stop there because this is the biggest question you'll have when you're witnessing. Where did Cain find a wife? Well, he married a sister, most likely. Could have been a niece if he waited long enough, but he's only, you know, there's, he's marrying somebody very closely related. Otherwise, he didn't get married. A human had to marry a human to have children. You know, kind of, we know that. Biology teaches us that. <laughs> so uh, I have met people that believe that there were some special creations after that, but no, that is not what happened because Adam and Eve is going to tell us had sons and daughters. We're only given the names of three of them, and we're not even sure that the ones we're given are the oldest of them, but they're just the three most important ones in the story. Cain is going to murder his brother, and we're going to see from this the unrighteous line that is going to be developed. And then we have Seth replacing Abel, and he is going to be where the righteous line is traced through. All the other ones just become irrelevant to the story. And keep that in mind. The Bible is not telling us everything there is to know. If it did, we wouldn't be able to carry it around. Matter of fact, I don't know that we would have a room big enough to store it in. Uh, but even the largest library wouldn't be big enough to store it if it told us everything. And we wouldn't bother reading it if it told us everything. Uh, because if you've ever read biographies, I love reading biographies, especially missionary biographies. If you had a, a biography that told you everything that ever happened in the person's life, do you think that would be a very interesting book? Got up Tuesday morning, went to work, <laughs> had dinner, <laughs> went, to the, went to the movies, went to bed. <laughs> Got up the next day, had breakfast, went to work. Yeah. Isn't that true for most of our lives? Most of our lives are filled with repetitious days that have no real value that we can see, other than the testimony of living for God. But if we were to write a book of our life, each one of us could pick out a few points where something interesting happened. But for the most part, our days are just living life. The Bible just picks out three of Cain, uh, Adam and Eve's children and says the rest of them are living <laughs> and having children and filling the place up. And so we look, he had his, he bear, she bare him a child and he names him Enoch. This is not the Enoch later on that gets, gets translated. This is only an Enoch in the third generation instead of the uh, 11th generation, I believe it is, for Enoch. So we look at this and they built a city. Now, city is a little bit extreme on this word. It is a, it is a dwelling place that is guarded, so that, but there is enough people to have a guard, which means that there's probably at least 20 or more people in his city that he builds. Again, we're looking at, we have more people than we're really thinking about. This is third generation from Adam and Eve, and they already have enough people for him to build a city and I want to bring this out in the Hebrew. It says it's a guarded city, so they have something to guard against, which would be most likely other people. Uh, could be animals, but the animals at this time are not eating flesh because we're going to find out they don't start eating flesh until after the flood. So it's not, I don't believe it's animals that they're worried about. They're worried about having their stuff stolen in the middle of the night, <laughs> just like any of us would be if we were by ourselves and having stuff. And you go, well, how much stuff do they have? Well, we're going to see about that. That's, it's more interesting as we get into this and we see how advanced it is. Now, remember, we talked about this idea of what do you think when you hear a prehistoric? 
Well, number one, we think of this brutish thing that looks like an animal. Well, Adam and Eve were human. They didn't look like all the stuff that these charts try to do. And you go, well, how does the charts come up with that? Well, if you look at the way they draw them, they'll get uh, a one tooth, a jawbone, and an arm. And they'll draw this thing that looks like a monkey. Uh, and say, well, this is what it looks like. Well, they have no idea how it looked for the rest of it. And it's a lot of speculation because they're not having enough of the skeletons in most of these things to make a real scientific discovery. And this is kind of a thing that's a misnomer for people who go into this evolution study and think, well, they, they drew these things. They must have some real reason for it. No, they had a real reason for it. It was, it was five, th five million years ago, and it must have looked like a monkey because it started out like a, some kind of monkey. So they made it look like a monkey <laughs> and make it look more human as you go along. But they're using their imaginations, and their imaginations are fitting into their preconceived ideas. If I was to take those bones and have the artistic enough ability to do it, <laughs> I would make them look like humans <laughs> because that's what they were. So we want to be very careful when we look at these things and they say this is our scientific proofs of all this because most of it isn't. And Enoch begat Irad, and Irad begat Mehujael, and Mehujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lemek. At this point, we are, at Lemek's point, we're five generations from Adam and Eve, or the sixth generation, okay? We are very close to the time of the flood by this point. And it's not giving us ages on here. It doesn't really care. But these people, when we get to Jab Jabal and Jabul and uh, Tublacain, they are at the same generation as Methuselah, who is the grandfather of Noah. <laughs> All right? So we're right there. Cain's line is right up against the flood. So we want to look at this. And um, it says here that Lemek took two wives. So now we have our first polygamy <laughs> mentioned in the Bible. Uh, multiple, multiple wives. And it says in verse tw 20 that Adah bare him Jabal, and he was the father of all such that dwell in tents and such as have cattle. In other words, they were nomads. <laughs> they were just like the nomads that we know of in our distant past and are still in the Middle East. They had their tents and they wandered around grazing their cattle. Now, just having tents tells us there's a good bit of knowledge already involved. They can, they can shape wood. They can use wood to make tents. They can make either cloth or skins. They, so they've learned how to do that kind, of, that kind of things. So they're moving in advancement very quickly. And I'm trying to show us that they weren't dumb. <laughs> These were not dumb people. And this is before the flood. And then, Zil, and then he, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all that handled the harp and the organ. And this organ means anything with forced air. So anything with pipes. So he's, they're, they're, at this point in time, they're creating harps. Now, harps mean they have the capacity to make string, whether the old way that we used to with cat's gut or, or some artificial or metal strings. But they're making strings. They're now shaping the wood, literally shaping the wood, to make the instrument to hold the strings. And they're making some form of musical instrument that uses air. 
Now, it said organ, and it, it means forced air, which means it could be anywhere from the pan pipe to and trumpet type thing. It's all the way up to full-fledged organs uh, uh, type deal. So again, but they're into music already. Music. And I don't know if you understand how important that is to be able to do music and have it other people play it. Because math music is all based on mathematics, which means they understood mathematics. Because music is part of mathematics to do it right. And that's how they that's how they develop the right size strings and everything. So there's an advanced music is complicated. Now we know we can make music, you know, make music. Kids kids make things that they that we call music when we're when we're trying to uh, uh, give them praise as they're banging on the pots and pans and and anything else that they can bang on and make noise. And we go, see, that's wonderful music they're making. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> but if you're really going to make good music, you have to follow certain rules. Uh, those who play guitars and other instruments and they, and they know how to play it really well, they can play any song just because they know the next chord or the next note that it has to go to. Because if anybody's ever tried to play with a piano and you hit the, you push one, one key and then you go to another key and it just, it's harsh and it doesn't sound right, you have to know really what the next keys are, that can, the next notes are that can be sound correct. And so we have already by the six generations from Adam, tents, husbandry, uh, music, woodwork, uh, let's see, taxidermy because of the skins and stuff or the, the cat gut. And then we can look at this next one. In verse 22, and Zillah, she brought, she bare to Blacain an instructor of every artificer of in brass and iron. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this. Brass and iron. They're working with metal ores. And if you think about this, if you know anything about history, in our, in our current history after the flood, the brass age didn't even start until about 4000 BC, which is right from the beginning. <laughs> So we've had brass ever since the beginning, but iron, uh, excuse me, bronze and then brass. brass. Brass is different. It was the next one up from bronze because it took metallurgy. You had to add tin to the, to the uh, copper to make brass. And so we have them very early in on working with metal. And even before the flood, they're using iron. The Iron Age in our, in our current calendars did not happen until about 1200 BC. 1200 BC is relatively new as far as the earth is concerned. And yet before the flood, they're working with brass and iron. Why do we bring all this up? Because the men before the flood were very intelligent. And you think about this, why would they be so intelligent? Well, Adam and Eve talked with God every, every evening and I'm sure it wasn't just tell me about your day. <laughs> I'm sure God was giving them education on how to do things in this world. And we're seeing very quickly, very quickly that they're making what we considered advanced materials. And I want to bring this up because we're, we're going to get into the ark being built. Have you ever wondered what kind of tools they use to build the ark? They're already using iron. <laughs> 
There might have been real nails, what we considered real nails, in the ark. There could have been some very decent saws and, and, and chisels and everything being used on the ark. Not these old, old things we might think of, but they might have had some very well-developed tools to build that, that ark out of, of. So I just wanted to bring these things out because a lot of times, and I was guilty of it in my younger days, thinking, wow, how these guys with no brain, you know, no tools, no equipment, build, build all these things, how'd they do it? God already told us. They were very intelligent. They were very advanced. Maybe more advanced than we can even contemplate. And I won't go there on that because it stops at iron and brass. But who knows how much more advanced they were because God was with them and they just had a few hundred years to develop their skills, <laughs> you know, like 900. <laughs> yeah. how, how skillful could you get if you had 900 years to perfect your, your skill? We get people that get skillful after just a couple of decades. Imagine somebody who had nine centuries to develop their skill. What could they develop? What could they learn? What kind of advancements could they be obtaining? And we, to this day, don't know that. We see some things like the Great Pyramid in Egypt dates way back and probably was dated before the flood because there's things about that that we don't understand and can't do in our own day. Like, had the stones so close together you can't, do, you can't see anything through them. You can't get any air through them. Moving blocks that we can't move today with our, with our machinery. So who knows what skills that they had developed because of what God had given them. But I just wanted to bring this out. I wanted to get us this idea of out of our heads that prehistoric man, number one, even existed as, we, as, we, as we're presented to him. But I bring this out to you because how many of us, when I first said prehistoric man, your minds immediately went to all the stuff that the, the world teaches us instead of a biblical worldview of what, number one, there wasn't a prehistoric man, we would have to say early man looked like, behaved, and did. And this is the whole purpose of this whole series on, in Genesis, is to help us change those things that are wrong thinking to be biblical. Because I don't want us to think, number one, I don't want us to think prehistorical man anyway. Because there's nothing about man that's prehistory. The Bible tells us all about him. It tells us about his creation, tells us how, how he lived, how the righteous line and unrighteous, how they were judged, and then went on after that. And so we're bringing this out. And then we get into this little story about Lemek. And this is actually part of a greater poem. It's a Jewish poem. And Lemek said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, O, my, o wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. And here he's saying it was in self-defense. He's telling them he, he killed in self-defense in, in, in Hebrew. And, he's, and he hasn't killed just one. He's killed two. He's, he's not a very nice man. And it's kind of telling us how evil Cain's line has become. Cain killed his brother out of anger. Tubla Cain is bragging about his killing in self-defense. And we probably are seeing some idea of violence and everything because his son is already building, uh, creating anything with iron and, bra and bronze and brass. So there's probably weaponry already, already being uh, brought out. And it's amazing how science is always used almost instantly for weapons. <laughs> it's designed to help people, help people almost exclusively, and yet it almost always gets developed into weapons.
And we see this because the next are mentions of iron. We start seeing iron as early as Saul's kingdom and as early as uh, Judges. Judges, Israel was overrun in the period, uh, excuse me, in Joshua even. They, they couldn't destroy this one, uh, one group because they had iron chariots. They were making their chariots with iron and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't defeat that group. Um, and then all through Judges, we see them being attacked by people with iron. Saul, there's a statement in the beginning of Saul's life that they went to battle and the only one, and they sharpened their, pre, uh, their pruning hooks and their, and, their, and their plow shears because the only ones that had a sword were Jonathan and David. You know, and they were going up against a country that had weapons. And historically, the Assyrians had weapon, iron weapons for a long time and iron technology and they guarded it very carefully because they understood how it would be used against them. So this is just, I want to bring this stuff out because it was something very interesting that I thought of and maybe you all don't think it's interesting, but I just want to get us to this idea of man has never been the stupid brutes <laughs> that the world wants to, to uh, believe. Have there been times when men have lived in caves? Probably, because if we were stuck in the middle of nowhere and didn't have trees to make, make uh, homes, we would take the next best thing, and that would be a cave, because caves are easily defendable. So I'm not saying that they never lived in caves. <laughs> it just wasn't their first choice necessarily, and it would have been in some cases the best choice, especially if there's wild animals, <laughs> and you're trying to keep yourself protected from them but we just want to get this whole idea of man has always been smart probably smarter than we are now uh, I have a feeling we've lost a lot of knowledge over the years it's taken us a long it took us a long time to get to to uh, Iron Age after the flood and almost 2,000 years they were there in less than 1500 years uh, so we want to be able to change our mindset on these things Tublacane, uh, Lemek is going to kill men and brag about it. Basically, that's what he's done to his wives. And going, I've killed these guys. It was self-defense, but I killed them. Two young people that he killed. And the one is a young man, which literally means young child. So what's young when you're living in 900 is kind of another question. You know, maybe, maybe he was 100 years old and not... <laughs> but. You know, so you have to kind of give that as an idea. What, what is a young child when you live to 900? Uh, but he's still saying somebody much younger. I mean, he's considering him a child. And the, the older I get, the older a child gets. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you're all there. You know, when I, I still look at my kids, even though I try hard to think of them as adults, which they are. They're still kids. They're, they're still kids to me. And most anybody in that age group is still a kid to me. Uh, so Lemon could be saying a young child here and meaning somebody you know, that's just half his age. Uh, so, but he's bragging about this. And he's saying if, if, Cain, if Cain was you know, forgiven and, and, and not judged, you know, God's not going to judge me. You know, God's not going to judge me and so much more. He's justifying his activity. Yeah. And this is something we have seen from the very beginning of the scriptures man justifying their, their, act, their sin. And we still do it today. And, and we think it's new. We think it's novel. 
Yeah. And we can remember when Adam and Eve, when God said, well, what have you done? And, and Adam, Adam's answer was, well, it's your fault. You gave me her and she tricked me. <laughs> Now, Adam blamed everybody. <laughs> you know, he, he was a little smarter. She blamed the serpent. <laughs> but we see even here, Lemek is going, it's not my fault. They attacked me. I'm just, I just I defended myself. But he's bragging about that action. We're seeing the evilness that is coming through Cain's line. And the, the line of Cain that is building up evil in the world. How much evil? Well, we, we know these lummocks to the point where he, where he brags about murder. He's gone beyond one wife and taken two wives. So we see the evilness that is happening here. The line is, the line is developing. We're seeing the second, second uh, statement of murder and the third one. And we're seeing the first mention of polygamy all different and deviating from what God told people to do. And they're developing this area. They're sticking together in small groups. And remember, God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And every time we turn around, they're not filling the earth. And we're going to see in the second half after the flood, they don't go to fill the earth. They stick in one place until the Tower of Babel scatters everybody. And we'll get to that in a few months probably. But disobedience to God happens all the time. Even in our day, it's still happening. In their day, it happened. And it's not changing. We're looking forward to the day when we go to heaven and get our bodies glorified. We lose this fleshly, sinful body, and we get glorified. How do we do that? We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then when we die or get raptured, we will get our new body. And then we don't have to worry about sin. Sin will not be part of our life at that time. Hello. <laughs> but it all comes down to recognizing we're sinners and, and accepting Jesus Christ's sacrifice and asking him to come in. And eventually we will get to live in a life that is not full of sin. And I am looking forward to that day of a life not full of sin. No temptation, no desires of sin. And we're, we're looking at this whole story that we're so close. And I don't know if you realized it, but that's what I told you. Cain's line takes us right up against the, the flood for, for the unrighteous line. So we're going to bow in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. And we ask that you help us to always bring our mind into biblical thinking and agreement with you on what, where we should be. We ask that you help us to see you in all things. Lord, if there's anybody in, in the sound of this vo or my voice that does not know you, we ask that you help them recognize that they are a sinner, they deserve punishment, that you died for their sin, that they will repent and turn to you for forgiveness. And we just thank you in your son's name. Amen.